So we are in the series, Walk of the Spirit. We've walked through, mostly, we're, we skipped one. I don't know if you know which one we skipped. We're walking through the fruits of the Spirit and kind of understanding what is Paul talking about to the Galatian church and how you need to crucify the flesh and understand those fleshly desires and then to walk in the Spirit. And, and, uh, and so we've been diving into Galatians chapter 5. So if you, have, if you have a copy of God's Word, and I hope you do, if you have a copy of God's Word, go to Galatians chapter 5. And we'll go from there, okay? Galatians chapter 5. And I, I'm going to skip down to verses, no, we'll go 22, 23, and 24, okay? Normally I read the whole thing in context, but I really want to dive in tonight and talking about self-control. Boom, dun, dun, dun. I've actually been looking forward to this talk the whole series. Like this whole series, I've been, I can't wait to get self-control. I can't wait to get self-control. So here we go, all right? Um, Verse 22, Galatians chapter 5, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Y'all say it with me. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And he says, Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I believe that this series is really this We've talked about every one of these. We, we skipped joy, uh, and the reason why I think was because of snow week or something like that, um, the snow apocalypse that happened in January, shut everything down for seven days. It was amazing. Um, but we talked about how love is the root of all the fruits. We talked about peace that comes from a confidence in knowing that I'm a child of God and God knows me. And understanding that patience is hard to develop. When we talk about patience, it's so hard for us to develop that, that fruit but it comes, uh, we learn it in a not-so-fun way by God making us wait. And so that's patience. Kindness, ooh, kindness, was really reflecting on God's kindness toward us and how we would need to reflect that same kind of kindness to our friends and to the people around us. Uh, faithfulness was last week. We talked about how uh, that was a, uh, we used the illustration of a sunrise, and how that sunrise every single day is a picture of God's faithfulness. How many of you looked at the sunrise on Thursday morning? How many of you see that? Might have taken a picture of it. Uh, several of you kind of tagged me on Instagram saying, look at this, look at this. Um, it was so cool to see that. But it really was an epic night uh, of challenge. And to realize that God has been faithful to us, but we have not been. And it really was a stirring week last week. Stirring in so many ways. Because, I mean, as we moved through the night last week, it really came abundantly clear as we kind of ended the night just in an epic way that the Spirit of God was really kind of teaching us what he, this idea of faithfulness and how we need to be faithful to God. And so tonight, uh, I'm literally going to have one sentence about gentleness, and then I'm going to jump into self-control. You ready? So this one's not even in your notes. Gentleness is not even in your notes, but if you want to write this down, you can. Gentleness is simply how we treat those around us. Not with harsh words or actions, but with a gentle and kind spirit. Gentleness. God is gentle with us. Not condemning, not demanding, full of love, kindness, and gentleness. And therefore, we in turn need to be gentle and have gentleness toward the people around us. So let's jump into self-control. 
You ready? I love a good donut. Does anybody else like a good donut? If you're a Baptist, you ought to like a good donut. It is so hard. It is so hard for me to pass by a box of donuts and not have one. Well, I'm so sorry. You're missing out, Ben. Just saying. Like, it, it is so hard for me. And it is one of those um, indulgence of life that I just, it's, it, I, oh, it's hard. It really is. I, here, I did a little, do you know, do you, okay, do you know what donut company is the largest grossing donut company in the country? Seth, you want to take a, nope, Krispy Kreme pales in comparison to Dunkin' Donuts. Dunkin' Donuts, get this. They do, this is no lie, this is it, $2.9 billion a year. $2.9 billion a year in donuts. And you're like, well, where does Krispy Kreme rake? Krispy Kreme is second, and they do $1.6 billion. So Dunkin' is like 50% more almost. <laughs> it's mind-boggling to me. And guess what? You're, do you know what the favorite, like the most popular donuts are? What is the number one most popular donut? Glazed donut is number one. Number two, a cronut. Does anybody know what a cronut is? Never had one. Third is apple fritters. So good. Fourth is donut holes. Number five, and my personal favorite, the blueberry donut. We have those in the cafe on Sunday morning, and praise Jesus, it is so hard. Like, it is so hard to walk by that and not have one. The cinnamon twist is number six. The crueler is number seven. And to round out the top eight, glazed chocolate donut. So I lose, I lose self-control. I lose self-control in those moments. I know that the donut has 10,000 calories. I know that it's got 1,000 grams of sugar. I know that once my lips, it's a lifetime on my hips. Like, I know those things. I know how not so good it is for me. But I lose all self-control. And I just got to have one, right? I just, I just got to pick one up and eat it. Like, oh, it's so, I know that some of you, you, I know some of you, you lose self-control in some areas of your life. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell a story with your neighbor right there. Tell a story, a quick story with your neighbor of the things, what hap- what, there's something in your life you just you lose self-control over. Ready, set, go. Did I hear Cracker Barrel? Okay. (laughs) Five, four, three, two, one. (laughs) I'd agree, Owen. I'd agree. Hey, I know... I know that this is such a trivial kind of illustration, but I really, I I want us to get us thinking about that. That is a real deal, y'all. There are times in our lives, moments, likes, dislikes, all those kind of things that when we, 
when we indulge those things, it, we lose self-control. It's like we can't stop. It's like we can't, I can't not, not have a donut. And, it, and it's a real struggle. And here, I, I've used that physical kind of trivial uh, illustration to kind of illustrate a lot of times a spiritual truth. And the spiritual truth is, so many times we indulge in the sin of our life, the fleshly desires, and we lose self-control. We lose the ability because we've been so tempted, because we've been so enticed and deceived to believe that that fleshly desire is a nice thing to do. But we fall prey to the evil one that seeks to steal, kill, and destroy us and deceive us to make that, okay, for the Adam and Eve kind of moment, did God really say that that fruit was bad? And that's exactly how it started. And many times we can't say no. Now, a lot of times when you read this passage and you think about self-control, many of us think that it's, I need to say no to lust or I need to say no to sexual desires or sexual temptations. And that is absolutely true. But the reality is, is that it's much deeper than just that. To have self-control is really a, let me, let me put it this way. There's a definition, or I'm going to read a verse to you first, and then we'll talk about the Second Peter 1, 5 through 7, I'll put it up on the screen. It says, in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. So in other words, what God promises to me, my response is, supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. Moral excellence with knowledge. Knowledge with self-control. And self-control with patient endurance. Patient endurance with godliness. And godliness with brotherly affection. And brotherly affection with love for everyone. Peter, in this moment, is really kind of building the case for godliness. If you're going to truly be a follower of Christ and do godly things in your life, then there's some things that it builds upon. And it, I like it how it starts. It, it simply says, start your faith. Because that's where it starts. When you receive Christ into your life, it really has taken a step of faith and believing that what he did for you on the cross. And then from that faith, it builds on this. And it, it adds self-control as part of one of the most godly characteristics we need to have in our life. When we can say no to evil and say yes to the Lord, man, we start to win in our relationship with God, and we begin to win in our faith. One of the keys to godly living, here it is, this is the first, I think it's the first blank you have. One of the keys to godly living, and you fill in the blank, you probably know what it is, self-control. It's not the key, because there's a lot of other things, but it is a good one. It is a very key part of if you're going to be a believer in Christ, you're going to follow after God as best you possibly can, then at some point, self-control has got to grow up within you and well up within you. I get it, y'all. I get it. I, you don't know what self-control is. It's hard for me to articulate what self-control is because many of you just don't get it. And here's the reason why. It's because our culture says you can have whatever you want. Say yes to everything. It'll be okay. Isn't that what culture says? Isn't that what your, your friends do? If I want it, I go get it. Who cares if it's good or bad? And I'm, I'm declaring God's word over you. I'm declaring God's truth over you. I'm wanting to pastor you and really kind of shepherd you through this moment and help you understand what truly is self-control. And so a definition I think we can work off of is self-control is a godly strength and determination to do the right thing no 
matter what? Self-control is a godly strength and a godly determination to do the right thing no matter what. Guys, there's a fight between the flesh and the spirit, and it wages war around you all the time. But you got to remember that the power of Christ within you will give you and enable you to have self-control. It is the work of the Spirit within me. It is God's work within me that I can say no to evil and say yes to godly things. Y'all, yes, it does take a conscious effort and a mind to do this. But the power to walk in it comes not in your own strength, but it comes in the strength that you have within. And that is the Spirit of living God. And y'all, he's mighty, he's powerful, and he's in you. And when you begin to realize that and you see that, it is so much easier to say no and say yes to him. Trust me, it is. So I have three R's to best describe what self-control is all about. You ready? Here we go. One, it's the willingness to recognize evil and sin. It's the ability or the willingness to recognize evil and sin. When you see the sin around you, are you tempted to go along with it? Or is there a desire in you to just simply walk away and speak against it? Speak against it. Going with the crowd is not always the best. Sometimes you're like, well, they're doing it. They must be good. Really? Well, they, they said it was all right. Really? And here's one thing. I, I want to be very clear here. This is not about uh, keeping a list of rules of do's and don'ts. That's not what it's about. Well, I know I need to do this and not do this and do this and do this like this. It literally is a growth within you. It is a spirit of God within you coming out. That's different than what I can do with my own hands and what I can do with my own brain. And there's going to be, as you journey with the Lord, as the more time you spend with him, the more time you spend in his word, there's going to be a clear direction of how we are to obey the word of God. You will see that as you read it. What God asks of his children is simply for us to listen and obey. That's it. Listen and obey. I'm reading through the Old Testament right now, and that is just screaming right now. That the Israelite nation disobeyed God. Even though they could see the smoke on the top of the mountain and knew that Moses was up there with them, they were making idols and did not believe what was going on. Y'all, that's us. That's us. We see the work of God, but we like our own little idols. And we don't recognize the evil that's around us. Y'all, there's sin and evil all around us. Do you see it? Can you see the evil? I mean, if you need a list of things, you look in Galatians 5, Paul talks about it. He gives us that list. And I'm sure it's not a complete list because there's a lot of things missing in that list that probably should be on there. I think adultery is not on there. That probably should be on there. That's not a good thing. Y'all, that's a willingness to recognize the sin. Number two, a willingness to recoil the tongue. I'm going with our words. Have y'all figured this out yet? The three points are three R's. I love this. This is so good. The willingness to recoil your tongue. Y'all, there's power in your words. And a, and a person that is allowing the fruit of 
self-controlled or well up within them, realizes that the words that they use has great power. And many times we say things that we don't mean. Sometimes we, we, we speak out of turn. Sometimes it just kind of comes out. And it just, it's sometimes we just need to draw back and go, you know what? I, I said the wrong thing. I'm so sorry. You need to apologize for that. Sometimes we hide behind sarcasm. And we allow sarcasm kind of be the cover of what I really believe. We use sarcasm to tear people down. Your words matter. Oh, I was just kidding. Ha <laughs> ha. That's all right. And you may say it with a laughing attitude, but in your heart you probably really feel it. And you're taking it upon yourself to tear people down. You're taking it upon yourself to, you know, speak the truth. I'm always going to tell you what, you know, all those kind of things. We hide, our, our words have so much power. And here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, here's a great illustration of this. You, you experience anger, right? Sometimes you have an emotion of anger. I, something happens, there's an injustice, there's something that's going on. There's, you're, you're, you're welling up with anger. A believer exercising self-control sees the anger but does not act upon the anger. There's nothing wrong with being angry, but there's everything wrong with acting on that anger and doing something that's vicious and malicious and revengeful. Then you're walking in sin. Yes, we need to kind of take those thoughts captive we need to recognize the emotions that are within us. Don't deny those emotions, but we need to recognize those emotions. But a godly person of self-control is going to exercise the godly principles that are necessary in that situation. Does that make sense? You smell what I'm stepping in? That was good. Um, so we have to recoil our tongue. And number three, we need to have a willingness to retract our wrongdoings. To retract your wrongdoings. Recognize, recoil, and retract. This simply means a heart to forgive and to ask for forgiveness when we get it wrong. Y'all, when we live out our godly lives, sometimes we get it right and sometimes we don't. Sometimes we know what is right and sometimes we don't. But a godly believer who is exercising the fruit of the Spirit in their lives, they're going to see the wrongdoings. And they're going to want to do something about it. They're going to ask for forgiveness. They're going to seek forgiveness. They're going to seek uh, reconciliation. They're going to do whatever is necessary to retract the wrongdoings. There are two verses that I want to call to your attention. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 23. It simply says this. He will die for a lack of self-control. He will be lost because of his his great foolishness. Y'all, that is so strong right there. Proverbs 25, 28 says this. It says, a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Yikes. Y'all, when you lose self-control, you are literally breaking down the walls and allowing the evil and the sin to come in. When you lose self-control, you are entertaining the evil one. You're opening a door for the stronghold of the evil one over your life. When you break, leave all, lose all your self-control in your godly living, you are extending a willful invitation for the evil one to take over and the fleshly desires to go. Y'all, it, it takes a little bit of work. It takes a little bit of discipline. So, how? I know this about self-control. 
Steve, you talked about some of the pitfalls of lack of self-control. But what happens when the fire of self-control, a lack of self-control is just raging? How do you put the fire out? I'm going to give you three simple things. Ready? This is the practical side of the talk. How? How do I exercise self-control in my life? Ready? Here it is. Stop, drop, and roll. You're like, Steve, you're pretty creative. You're right, I am. Like, I thought about this for two days. This is so good. I was thinking about self-control. What is it? Like, how? I want to teach you how. How can you exercise self-control in your life and begin to make progress in that area of your life? Here's the first thing. Stop. Stop and think about what you're getting into. Stop and think about it. What are you getting into? What are the things that you are entertaining in your life that is ungodly? Do you, bless you, do you enjoy a good gossip session? Are you entertaining that in your life? Do you always want to be in the know about everybody else, quickly, easily pointing the finger at someone else and being discouraging and not encouraging? Stop and think about it. Stop and think about it. Reacting in the moment without thinking about it gets us in trouble every single time. It does. It's impulsive, it's inappropriate, and it's immature. You like those I words and a couple of good I words there? Stop and think about it. Drop to your knees and surrender. Now, this is not literally, but figuratively and spiritually. This point is about submitting to the lordship of Christ in your life. If I'm going to drop a knee in front of anything, that means I'm giving honor and reverence to. And if you are a believer in Christ and you have committed your life to him, then at some point along the journey of faith, you've got to come to the place where you realize that he is Lord of your life. He is boss. And in those moments when I want to choose and exercise self-control in my life, I've got to get to that place where I can bow a knee and say, Lord, whatever you want, I'm all in for you. Whatever this situation is, God, I'm looking at you. I'm following you. I'm fixing my eyes on you. I'm doing everything I possibly can in order to, one, I want to walk in obedience to you and whatever you have for me. So I stop and think about it. I drop my heart and my life and surrender to him. And then I roll with the punches. Y'all, choosing godliness is hard. And sometimes the world will seek to discredit you and punch you in the gut. They're going to punch you. Maybe not physically, but their words, their actions towards you when you choose godliness, sometimes they're going to push you away. No one said being godly will be easy. Walking in the Spirit will be counter to what the world does. They are walking in the flesh, and they are going to do fleshly things. But you are godly, and God is going to thus bless the godly. And sometimes as we choose godliness, it's going to stand in opposition to what the fleshly, sinful world says and wants to do. And y'all, you got to roll with the punches. And sometimes you got to take punches. Sometimes you got to endure hardship and suffering and persecution. Good Lord, Jesus did it on the cross for us, didn't he? I was reading that this week in Matthew, at the end of Matthew. 
how many people walked by that cross and mocked him in that moment? Willfully, with their words and with their actions, mocked him and said, you're not a king at all. How in the world? Get yourself off the cross if you say who you say you are. And Jesus took every bit of it. Punch after punch after punch. Y'all, being godly is hard. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. And it is probably one of the most challenging and most honoring thing that I can do in my life. It's to say, Lord, I'm all in for you. Whatever you have for me, I'm going to choose to obey you. And I trust, God, that you've got my life in your hands. It is hard. But it is worth it when you know the Lord is with you. I was reading Psalm 34 this week. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Because you know what? When you do truly taste and see that the Lord is good, oh, you'll do whatever you want, whatever you need to do for him. Because of his goodness and his love toward you, you're so captivated by that, and you're like, I'm all in. Whatever you need from me, I'm all in. I'm all in. Here's the final thought. It's not on your piece of paper, but self-control is especially hard when you have a wrong view of God. When you have a wrong view of God, self-control is really hard. For many of us, you have trust issues. You don't truly trust the Lord because you don't think he's got your best in mind. And I'm here to tell you that he is good. He is kind. He is loving. He is faithful. He's gentle. Man, he loves you. That is the right view of God. He absolutely loves you, y'all. 